0: Hello world! This is Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views of life extension from around the world. Today's guest has truly been around the world, many times. In a sense, I am dumbfounded at the continued cultural resistance to rejuvenation research, considering the vast multitude of logical and eloquent speeches Aubrey de Grey has given. I am unsure if there has been anyone who has worked so hard or argued so persistently to end aging in the past decade. Aubrey de Grey is currently the Chief Science Officer of the SENS Foundation. Let's find out how the battle against aging is going. And now I want to welcome to the program, Aubrey de Grey.
1: Hello, it's great to be on again.
0: Well, good to talk with you again, Aubrey. I guess most people, what they want to know, we might as well just get into it right away. What is the biggest news out of the SENS Foundation recently?
1: Well, let's see. Of course, it depends how you define recently, but let's say over the past...
0: couple of months, maybe? Any new developments? Sir,
1: so, about two or three months ago, we published probably our most significant paper that's actually come out of work that the Clemson Foundation Fund. It was the first demonstration that we could rescue the viability of cells in culture that had been exposed to an important toxin that drives the progression of colonel f- disease. And the way we did this was by introducing a gene, a bacterial gene, that encodes an enzyme that breaks down this particular toxin, this oxidized derivative of cholesterol. Okay. Uh, and we were able to show that when we express the gene, and when the gene is modified so that the protein is targeted into the correct part of the cell the like lysosome, then the cell can survive a considerably higher concentration of this of, of this toxin than they can if they don't have the gene, or if they have the wrong gene, or if it's you know not targeted to the right part of the cell. So this is a very significant step forward.
0: Okay. And was that the Rice University study?
1: That actually happened at Rice. That's correct.
0: Oh, okay. And that is uh, along the uh, Lysosense strand of the SENS research, right?
1: Absolutely. We're also doing Lysosense work at our research center in Mountain View. And in Mountain View, it's focused mainly on a different disease, on macular generation in which the things that accumulate in the lysosome are not derived to cholesterol, they're completely different types of molecule. We are um, going in exactly the same direction, we've got nearly as far, we've already got the preliminary data showing time that we can eliminate this material using a foreign gene again. And I think that within the next 6 months or so we will have again data on cell viability that of course we will publish. So we be happy way, so with the way that lysosense
0: goes. Great, yeah, because I know lysosense has been one of the more well-known strands that it was developed first, probably, what, seven or eight years ago, the foundations were laid, and now we're seeing some cell culture results that seem positive. When do you think there might be some tests in animal models or in, even in humans?
1: I think we're probably only a year or so away from moving into mouse models. There so are pretty good mouse models of both cardiovascular disease and macular in the generation, and we you know, we definitely want to move back in that direction. Um, really, there are just a couple of things we'd like to get in place before that. First of all, we'd like to improve the efficacy of these enzymes. There are various more tweaks that we think we can do to make them work even better than they currently do. And secondly, and rather more importantly, we uh, need a bit more money, to be honest, because mouth experiments are inherently a lot more expensive than self culture experiments.
0: Well, I was going to save that question for a little bit later, but you did mention uh, needing some uh, a little bit of funding, and I noticed at the Alcor 40 conference that you mentioned that given the amount of funding that you had, uh, you are about at where you would expect with the SENS research. And going forward, is funding still the main roadblock to faster progress, uh, more research in your lab? Yes, yeah, I'm
1: afraid it is, really. Um I, I always mean, look at the history of SENS is that way back when I started getting interested in the biology of aging and doing something about it, I had three problems to solve. Two of them are completely solved now. So as they being, first of all, to come up with a good robust plan for defeating aging, for bringing aging under medical control, which of course is what sense is. And secondly, bringing the world-leading scientists uh, in the world field, who are uh, best placed to actually implement that plan, uh, getting them enthusiastic about doing so and about um, actually um, performing the experiments and doing the research, and that certainly also very much occurs is demonstrated by, for example, the quality of our research advisory board and of the people we're funding. So absolutely, really, the only thing that's left is giving those scientists the resources to get on with it, and uh, that's why I spend probably more of my time trying to make that happen than I do actually in my chief science officer role.
0: Sure. I know in the beginning I had spoken with uh, Sans Methuselah, you know, when things were getting going and there were some ideas of uh, licensing uh, IP and also raising funds through charitable donations. It seems as though most of the money has come in from charitable donations and that's, I suppose, what your focus is going to be going forward. And is that just the nature of running a not-for-profit organization that most of your uh, funding has to come from donations.
1: Well, it's it's, it's a bit more complicated than that, to be honest. Certainly, the fact that First Foundation is a non-profit means that the simplest way to go is for us simply to receive donations. But equally, we we, do apply for patents on intellectual property that we generate, and we're certainly very interested in eventually making money out of that, you know, and so on. Certainly many of the wealthy individuals that come to us and are interested in supporting this work tend to be very sceptical about philanthropy and much more comfortable with the idea of an investment even if it's a long term investment. Mm -hmm. So we're we're always looking for opportunities to spin particular projects out into the private sector as well as doing things within the Foundation. One thing that very much dominates our thinking in terms of what the Foundation itself does. If we focus on the hardest parts of things the parts that are at the earliest stage and are least likely to actually be run with by other people but equally of course there are projects that are further along and are more tractable and more commercially realistic in the short term and uh, it makes more sense for those to be pursued in the private sector so for sure. example when, when some of our researchers went up and started a new path, we didn't regard that as you know some kind of loss for our commission, we regarded it as a, a very appropriate and uh beneficial you know, broadening of our okay. potential sources of funds. And indeed, of course, the we new were able initially respect to respect the amount of funds uh, fund fund from private sector from fund other funds, and we were very much hopeful that that intellectual property which they generated will indeed, in the relatively near future, you know, be resurrected into a in, in, in a new form that will Great. attract. So
0: okay. So, you know, when I think about the, the uh, Silicon Valley crowd and all the millionaires and billionaires out there and through the years, I know you've been talking with many of them. They are very close with the SENS Foundation and Singularity Institute and all of these organizations. They know what's going on. I always think, you know, with all of their money, what the hell is their problem? You know, uh, how come they can't uh, foresee uh, the benefits of curing aging? But uh, kind of uh, one point you're making here is that they would rather do an investment than do donations. Is that some of the problem there? That's basically correct. Okay.
1: I think Big Seal has really continued to be a bit of an outlier in this regard. Yes. In, in terms far as he understands that there is this value that where things are far enough along that the plan makes enough sense to be worth supporting, but not far, along, far enough along for it to be a proper value proposition in the, in the commercial sense. And therefore, there is know window of opportunity for philanthropy. I think a lot of people who have succeeded financially, especially in the IT sector, have a somewhat different point of view in in terms of that. Of course, there are plenty of wealthy people who are very philanthropically inclined, but those people tend to be much more focused on what you might call traditional causes rather than the pioneering causes that we're interested in.
0: Okay, and talking about uh, spinning out some uh, things that SENS Research Center has developed, I know a while back, something that interested me, and maybe it doesn't interest too many other people listening today, was the uh, removal of energetic T-cells that uh, Justin Rebo developed. He uh, came up with a very unique little robotic system of removing energetic T-cells, and I never heard too much more about that research line. It always dawned upon me, anyway, that if you remove energic cells, senescent cells, even from the immune system that uh, possibly would have some rejuvenating effect. But I didn't hear anything more about that energetic T cell research. Does it just not have that much applicability to aging or is it something else that uh, it's just waiting on the shelf?
1: Actually it's pretty much waiting on the shelf. We definitely do want to revise that project in some form or other. There are numerous applications for it, including of course applications that don't have to do with aging per se. And we would absolutely love to be to be moving that forward. So that's very much how I our shopping list at
0: the moment. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to get into a few questions that some of our listeners submitted earlier. Uh, one is that if you could talk a little bit more about the uh, telomere biology group leader position that was recently announced. Is this in preparation for more Oncosense research or the WILT strategy or more fundamental telomere research? It is indeed very
1: much linked to the, wealth, the, the whole Wilt idea. Okay. Uh, essentially, we had a bit of serendipity uh, early this year when Immugrath got into financial difficulties and had to let some people go. One of the people they had to let go was Kelsey Moody, who had previously worked with us spearheading indeed founding the academic initiative, and he came back in this case not uh, doing that but as an actual bench researcher. And we decided to take that opportunity to kick-start a project that had been on our list for quite a while, which was the genetic exploration of ALTs, the telomerase independent mechanism for telomere recently. We have had for some time the view that the researchers, the few, the, not very many researchers around the world who are working on all are missing one very important research plan, which is the specific search for a gene that is upregulated during oops, rather than simply inactivated. Mm-hmm. We that there will be such a gene, and furthermore, that as when it's found, it will be a very important potential target for therapeutic intervention. So that's what we're like going to look for. And quite rapidly, uh, the project you know, moved forward in a, yeah, in a systematic way. Obviously, such projects do take a lot of setting up time, but uh, Kelsey brought in a fabulous researcher named David Halverson, whom he had known in his former life, as in, as in New York State, and Dave has really demonstrated stellar quality. He's a wonderful researcher. But he, like Elsie, is, is very young and relatively nice inexperienced, and so it's really, you know, the project having taken some kind of shape now, it's time to bring in someone at the more senior, maybe you know, senior postdoc all the thought that we have leaving the other two projects at the lab, like the sense and the Motosense project. And so uh, absolutely, yes, we uh, just now advertising
0: for such a Okay. And then another listener question here. Uh, do you still think that we have a 50% chance of reaching human escape velocity in the next 25 years, or I suppose maybe it's 20 years by now, uh, based on enough funding, you know, the $100 million a year for 10 years? Uh, if you got that, do you think still think that we would have that 50% chance? Yes, I do. My views on time frames have not
1: changed at all. I think that... Yeah, it's probably been about nine years now since I started making time frame predictions. And I feel that because we haven't had that for funding that I've always said we need, yeah. uh, we've probably only gone about one third as, as rapidly as we could have gone. But that's roughly as rapidly as I would have expected us to go with the money that we have actually had. So I don't feel that there's any evidence that my time frame predictions have been shown to be either over pessimistic or over-optimistic.
0: Okay, and then the being... Uh optimistic or pessimistic about funding, how do you think uh, the global economic crisis might affect uh, funding for the SENS Research Foundation? And if, you know, things continue to be kind of mired in recession in Europe, and if the U.S. doesn't see, you know, grand economic expansion anytime in the next couple of years, do you have any special plans or strategies, initiatives, media type outreach that that you've been thinking about?
1: Well, we well, really the strategy that we have, independent of the global economic situation, essentially whether the economy in the world is going well or badly, we're just working hard as we can to maximise the level of funding that comes in. And therefore, yeah, at the moment, obviously, uh, it's important to diversify our outreach efforts. the... Uh, we'll quite important things that we've been able to do in the past year as a result of the money that I was able to assign to the foundation resulting from my inheritance when my mother died 18 months ago, is we've not only ramped up the number of projects we're funding, we've also very much ramped up the manpower involved in development and outreach. There isn't really much to show for that, physically, yet, but we're very close to that. We're about to have a new website that's altogether more professional-looking than the one we've got now.
0: Although, I would say that your current website, I think it does look very nice, but it's good to hear that you're going to be spiffing that up a bit, and that relates to another question a listener had. Do you have any new information about the, the online courses that the uh, that the initiative is developing?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely in progress. We've got most of it filmed at this point, almost all of the researchers who are going to be getting lectures have done so, so it's in the sort of pre-production stage at the moment. Daniel Kimball, who, of course, runs the academic initiative, is in charge of this because it's an academic initiative. Certainly, people will be hearing more about that very soon. It's in the closing session.
0: Okay. And then uh, what are your plans for Sen 6 And as an adjunct to that question, I heard rumors that there might be a Bay Area conference coming up soon as well.
1: So six in Cambridge, England, will happen. Next, next oh, September next year, same as you we know, went down every two years. We don't intend to change anything. It's going to be the same sort of format, the same venue. The dates are September third through seventh. And the you know, design kind of the programs and, and, and initial advertising of the of everything that's going to be happening over the next couple of months as uh, is the North schedule. So that will certainly happen. In terms of a conference over in this side of the Atlantic, uh, you're quite right, there have been plans that we've been making. We've actually gone through a number of false starts with regard to the timing and indeed the nature of such a conference. The intention is not to try to clone the Cambridge conferences we've had have have something that's essentially the same thing but in um, in the US. Rather we want to do something that complements the Cambridge conference in terms of you know, who's appealing to involve. So about doing something that's more commercially oriented, we thought about doing smaller events that might be just invitation only, perhaps fundraising events. The plans are still somewhat diffused and that, is, that applies not only to the nature of the event but also to exactly where and when it's actually going to occur. Uh, but I expect there will be something and so what's this space.
0: All right, and then last question here. Just from a high level view, you've been all over the world over the last 10 years in your effort to get the SENSE research going. What have you learned about the persuasion business? <laughs> That's an
1: excellent question. I, I, I don't think I can really point to single big things that I've learned. It's really been a, a very incremental process of just refining the emphasis I use, refining the tone of things, refining how much I personalize discussions with particular people. You know, there's no one thing. Whoops, there are one or two significant things. One thing that I think has been very important over the past several years is that my interactions with the media, especially, it, I have been able to get a, a bit more high-quality. Essentially, at the beginning of things, when I was really just new to all of this, I had to take the views that like any publicity of good publicity, and so I sort of had to let the media sensationalize this work and focus, you know, enormously on the, you know, calling this immortality research and so on. And these days, I can be a deal more hard-line with journalists and ensure that they don't sensationalize and trivialize this work. That they do present it accurately and appropriately as, down, as, as uh, down to earth mainstream medical research. and But really it's all about preventive medicine for the disease of old age, which is is much easier for people to swallow than the idea of trying to develop radical life extension for the sake of life extension. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Longevity Now, Aubrey. My
1: pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: In contrast to a few other guests who have mentioned outreach and personnel as the main things holding back more progress in life extension and rejuvenation, the SENS Foundation could just plainly use more funds. They have several research projects they could launch or revive with a little more cash. Keep that in mind as we head into 2013 when you are planning some charitable donations. Also, mark down the dates of the SENS 6 Conference in Cambridge, England, September 3rd through the 7th. I hope to see you there. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.